Well, as we're all uh, well aware, in this world there's an abundance of media for us to consume at any given time, and most of it's right at our fingertips through our smartphones. And uh, of all this media, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big movie guy. So if we have a conversation afterwards and you make a movie reference, I will probably just stare blankly at you and shake my head. I'm sorry. I'm also not a big TV guy or I'm not big into Netflix or all the streaming services that we have available to us. But what I do love and what I do consume all the time are podcasts. Any other podcast listeners up there? Raise your hands proud. Yes, a few more than the first service. I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, uh, podcasts are growing in popularity for a number of reasons, and, and one of them that I'm, I'm totally on board with is the fact that you can listen to podcasts while you're doing other things. So for me, most of the time, it's listening to podcasts at night while I'm washing dishes. So pretty much between 8 and 9, you'll probably find me tuned in with my earbuds listening to my favorite podcast. And another reason that podcasts are growing in popularity is because they're free. So if you have a smartphone, you probably have a podcast app or several of them, and so you can pull up podcasts whenever you want for free. Uh, another big reason that podcasts are popular is because you can find exactly what you want. So you can find exactly the interviews, the voices, the shows, the conversation that you're interested in. And so if you look at my podcast app on my phone, you'll pretty much see two categories. You'll see hunting-related things. Maybe some of you don't, are not aware of that side of my life, but that's a love of mine. And then you'll see ministry-related things. So two very different categories, but I listen to those all the time. And so I love podcasts, and many love podcasts, because you can listen to exactly what you want, whenever you want. Well, this morning we consider a greater voice that's always also available to us all the time. And it's a voice also that we not only need to hear, but that we grow in our lives to want to hear day to day and season to season. What we're talking about is the voice of the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Well, today is our last sermon in the Discovering Church series, and, and I would argue that this morning's topic puts the focus on this dynamic relationship with God that is part of our identity as the people of God, perhaps even more than previous weeks. So previous weeks, we've looked at other things that are just, that are just true of us as the church. We are the body of Christ, made up of many members. We are living stones being built into a spiritual house. We are a community that is committed to our life together to encourage each other, to build each other up, to stir one another up to love and good deeds. And we are foreigners and exiles living as kingdom people in this world. We just are. These are just inherently true of us as we belong to the people of God. But this morning we look at something that's inherently true of us as well, but but for it to be experientially true in our lives, we have to grow into it. We have to lean into it. We have to tune ourselves to the voice and train ourselves in this part of who we are. 
I want to admit to you right at the start that I too, perhaps with you, I am a fellow struggler in this. I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to grow and I have a lot of tuning to do in my own life. So I'm on this journey with you. But today our focus is being sheep and being sheep in the flock of God who is the good shepherd and learning how to know and respond to his voice in our lives. This morning we're going to unpack this text from John 10 and I want to look at a few things briefly. First, false shepherds. What are false shepherds? How does that play out in our lives? Then what is the good shepherd? What is the character of the good shepherd? What do we see? Finally, I want to look at how do we train ourselves to hear this voice and to respond to this voice. So as we turn to God's word, let us first pray. Lord, we pray that this morning you would use this message in our worship together to tune us to hear your voice, Lord. God, thank you that you lead us, that you've called us to be a people. Now, Lord, help us to be your flock, recognizing your voice and following you into pasture. So God, help us open our hearts this day as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we see, there's a few players in this text which are threats to the sheep, threats to the sheep. They're false shepherds. And to understand our text this morning, we really have to understand chapter 9, right before. And so what happens in chapter 9? In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who had been born blind. So all his life, he could not see. And so it created quite a stir, because people that knew this formerly blind man, or people that kind of saw him around town as they went about their life, they're thinking, what in the world happened? How can this man now see? How did this happen? In this healing in chapter 9, it takes place on the Sabbath. In the life of Israel, God commanded that there be no work and that there be rest on the Sabbath day. And evidently with some, that included performing miracles. And so Jesus gets into some hot water with this. And this man who was formerly blind is brought before these religious leaders because they want to know more. They want to know how did this happen? Who did this miracle? And by whose authority on the Sabbath of all days? So this man just kind of becomes a pawn in their struggle to figure out and to drill down on what's occurred. And so these men that are thought of as leaders of Israel, leaders of the nation, prove themselves to be poor shepherds. So that's what happens in chapter 9. And then we roll straight into chapter 10, and Jesus uses this not-so-subtle parable against them. Jesus describes these false shepherds as thieves and robbers who break into the pen rather than going through the gate. We see this in verse 1. Jesus later describes himself in verse 7 as the gate. I am the gate for the sheep, he says. I am the only safe way to safety and to life and to pasture. See, these leaders of Israel, these false shepherds, among others, they resisted Jesus as the way, as the, as, as the grace of God in front of them, as the Messiah, as the Christ, as their Savior. They bristled 
against him. And so as thieves and robbers, Jesus says they're strangers in verse 5. Jesus says they're strangers, and so the sheep will not follow them because they don't recognize the voice. So they're thieves, they're robbers. But other times, false shepherding looks like the hired hand. Verse 12. Jesus said the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So the thieves, the robbers, the hired hands, they're all threats to the sheep. They're all actively trying to steal or destroy the sheep, the flock, or they're just not committed to it. And so they run when the danger approaches and they leave the sheep vulnerable. Maybe in your life you've experienced this sort of false shepherding in some way. Maybe there's been spiritual authorities in, in your life that have pushed a particular teaching or philosophy or agenda on you rather than leading you to the shepherd and to his word and to the leading of his spirit in your life. Sometimes this happens just for their personal profit or personal gain. But for the majority of us in the, in the room, we can, we can stretch the application a little bit, if you will, to all of those things other than the good shepherd that vie for our affections and our attention and our energies. There's things in this world that promise even safety and security. You can think of the idols of our world. Maybe you feel their pull. We're talking about Wealth and status, the perfect career, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids, whatever it may be. And so oftentimes these are good things, but they're things that we make ultimate things in our lives. And so when the layoffs happen, when the economic downturn happens, when family moves away, perhaps you know, in obedience to their own calling, who are you? To whom do you belong? When those disruptions come, whose are we? Well, as we lean into God and learn to hear his voice, we're able to discern. And we're able to discern all the voices. We're able to discern the voice of the Good Shepherd from lies, from deceit, even from what our own fear and anxiety may pull us toward. Occasionally, I check my spam box and my email. Maybe you do. And every now and again, I, I have an email supposedly from John Paul. John Paul in all caps. So that's my first clue. And sometimes I open these emails just out of curiosity. I read these emails and I think, this is not Pastor JP. This is not what he sounds like even in writing. This is not how he presents himself. I've worked with him long enough to know what to expect and what he sounds like, even in that format. Well, the same is true for us, I, was, I would say, as we familiar, familiarize ourselves with the voice of the shepherd, is that we learn to know the voice and discern it from the lies and discern it from the deceit and discern from our own fear, our own anxiety. 
So that's the false shepherds. Human agents, they certainly were for Jesus, who is in this text addressing them. Spiritual authorities who function as false shepherds. It's also just the idols that pull us away from true safety, true security, true life in Jesus. So who then is the good shepherd? What is the character of the good shepherd? Well, we see it starting in verse 3, that Jesus describes the good shepherd as one who calls his sheep by name and they listen to him. We, we have here a feeling, a sense of a personal, interactive, relational, dynamic relationship with God, a personal connection. And what we see is that the good shepherd calls his sheep by name. The good shepherd knows the individuals of his flock. At the very center of our faith is this hope that, that God is a relational, personal God who we can know and walk with and follow and respond to, just like sheep know their shepherd. But then once this good shepherd goes out and, and gathers his flock and goes out in front of them, he leads them, verse 4, he leads them to safe pasture. But the other thing we see is that in contrast to the false shepherds, the thieves, the robbers, the hired hand that we've looked at, Jesus describes his commitment to the sheep. He doesn't leave them vulnerable. He lays down his life for them. So verse 11 says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In this verse and then in what follows, Jesus is referring to his own death and his own resurrection. He points out the fact that he, as the good shepherd, has the authority to lay down his life and then to take it up again. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have a shepherd who ran head-on straight into the threat and into the destruction that our sinfulness and that our rebellion against God meant for us. Rather than leaving us vulnerable, he stepped straight into that. Philippians 2 talks about how Jesus emptied himself, left the glory of heaven, took on flesh, and died in our place as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. But then he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, authority to take up his own life in the power of the Holy Spirit, showing his victory, showing his authority, and offering the promise of resurrection unto life rather than unto destruction if we believe and follow him. So the good shepherd's committed. Good shepherd's committed to these lost sheep of Israel that Jesus is addressing directly in this encounter. But then as we see the plan of God unfold, and in the, in the decades which follow, really, the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see that in God's redemptive plan, all the nations of the earth, Gentile nations, non-Jewish nations, sheep from another pen, as Jesus describes it, are brought into the one flock of God, guided by the one shepherd. So the character of the good shepherd is a sharp contrast to the false shepherds. The good shepherd is sacrificially committed to the sheep. Well, the question for me and perhaps for you then becomes, how do we hear the shepherd? How do we hear the voice of the shepherd that we not only need, 
but we grow to want in our lives. Well, first, there's a, there's a communal aspect to our identity. We're, in this series, we're talking about discovering church, our identity as the collective people of God. And so there's a communal discerning of the voice of God. Think about the flock of sheep for a moment. Sheep are designed to operate as a flock, as a herd. And, and I'm not an expert, but I'm sure that's for their safety to some degree to move and respond together as a group. And so we have to believe that sometimes in our life together, sometimes some are, are, are grazing far off and they're not quite able to hear, can't hear the shepherd. Perhaps others are, are in earshot, but they're slow, they're reluctant to move and respond, but we believe that as, the, as a community submitted to Jesus as the great shepherd and led by his spirit, discerning together, that we can respond as a community to what we feel God is leading us to do. And sometimes we may be right on the leading edge of the, of the flock, just responding to God with a lot of faith. Other times we're, we're catching up, but as a, in a communal sense, we are responding in faith to God and following along in obedience. But the shepherd also guides us personally. The, sheep knows, the shepherd knows his sheep by name, and so God guides us personally. And I don't want to be too simplistic, I don't want to be too reductionistic about this concept that we're talking about, but there's a couple, at least a couple of ways that I understand this. A major way that we know the shepherd's voice is by knowing his word. Knowing his word. The Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness after those 40 days of fasting, it says he was hungry. Of course he was. And so what does Satan present him with? Satan says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What does Jesus say? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so for Jesus and for us, the word of God, the revelation of God is our sustenance. It's our food. It's our nourishment. We need it to be healthy. This book we believe to be the inspired word of God for us. Through this, we understand who God is, who we are who we're called to be, how we're called to live. And so as we immerse ourselves in this, as we swim in it, as we spend time in it, it becomes part of who we are and how we understand this world. What then happens is that as challenges come, as life circumstances come, or even as, as victories and wins come, this word of God alive in us bubbles up through the Spirit, to carry us through any circumstance. And so read this word. Meditate on this word. Study it with others, if that helps you. Listen to good biblical theological music to help it sink into your heart. Just like the wonderful music that Fernando and our team lead us in every week. You know, I, I think of God's word sometimes like a loyal friend. 
Over time, we learn to count on the loyal friend. We turn to the loyal friend. We become more familiar with the loyal friend. And the loyal friend also is not afraid to tell us truth when we need to hear it. But in this personal love relationship with God that we have as well, we we also believe that the person of the Holy Spirit wants to guide and direct us. So in my life, I've I've sort of understood and experienced it's like a committed coach, a coach. And so there's times when we're not quite running the play the way that we're supposed to. There's times when we're sort of out of bounds. But then there's also times when we're playing well, and the shepherd wants to encourage us. The shepherd wants to say, keep after it. And the Spirit speaks to us. One of the distinct ways that I remember this kind of happening in my own life, my own awareness, was a few weeks ago, and my wife and I were sitting by our neighbor's pool watching the kids as they, as they swam in the pool. And my wife and I were having a, a disagreement, not in front of the neighbors, of course, but we were sitting there having a disagreement, which happens, and I wasn't really getting my way, right? And so I just up and sort of walked off the scene and walked back across the street to my, to my house and sort of went and did chores, right? I'll keep busy. I'm upset. So that's just sort of my default. All right, what, what, can, I, what can I do? So as soon as I walked in my house, almost like hitting a wall, I, I felt what I understand to be the Spirit of God in me say, go and be with her. Turn around and go and be with her. And I knew that wasn't me because here I was running from that situation, from that encounter, trying to stay busy, and the Spirit says, go be. Just go be. That's what you need in this moment. So it works that way. It works that way in your life. It works that way in my life. The Good Shepherd, he knows what's best for us. He knows what life is for us. He knows what safe pasture is for us. And like a Good Shepherd, he'll prod us with his staff at times as well. Well, this morning we wrap up this series on discovering church, and we, we cling to our identity as the people of God. We remember who we are. We recover who we are. We affirm who we are. And what we are is the flock of God, the flock of God. So we discern his voice together as we're submitted to him, and we respond in faith. But we also lean into him day by day, however he needs to speak to us. And we trust that this good shepherd intends our flourishing, our good, our safe pasture, our true security. And so together, let us be sheep of this good shepherd whose voice we need and we grow to want to hear. May we hear more clearly in these days. Let us pray. God, thank you that you lead us. Lord, we are sheep because we know we need to be led. When we go it alone, when we go it our own way, Lord, we struggle. 
and we get lost. But God, help us to hear your voice above the rest, to discern how you're leading us. God, give us courage to step into this this week and in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.